So we're going to be continuing our heroes um, theme, and I've done my own title page being a children's worker. Um, there it is. Um, those of you that have been before, you would have seen the Avengers, the proper one, but I think that's more fun. So anyway, um, and so we're going to be continuing this series on heroes. And today's hero, we're going to be looking at Thomas. Thomas the hero. And we're going to look at how he lived with Christ even though he had doubts. I want you to have a think. Have you ever been in one of those situations where you're really excited about being a Christian? You're seeing God do some great stuff in your life, in other people's lives, and you're really excited that you can call yourself a Christian. Have you ever been at that place where life's really tough, when you're going through the mill, when you question what you believe, or when you look at the world and you question, you think, God, where are you in that? And today, as we look at Thomas, we're going to be seeing um, how Thomas had those questions. I had a text recently from a friend who asked me, why do, why do I believe in God and what makes me believe in God? And I thought about it and I thought, actually, what does make me believe in God? Is God real? And the thought process was only a few seconds. And then I started to think about all the good, good things that I see Jesus do in my life. And I um, started to think about the, all the amazing things that God does for other people. And I could clearly see why I believed in God. I didn't look down on um, my friend for sending that text because I'd questioned myself. And I thought, actually, what do I believe in this? But actually, my, my prayer today is that as we, as we have those doubts, as we have those questions, that we focus on Jesus, that we experience Jesus and we draw close to him, um, and then our doubts and those questions will become insignificant. So as I said, today's hero is Thomas. Um, and when he first met Jesus, he was excited. He was excited about being a Christian, as we would call today. Now, as we look in Scripture, there isn't tons and tons of, of things about Thomas. Um, but the thing we do know is that he was one of God's, of one of Jesus' chosen 12. He was there when Jesus performed miracles. He was there when Jesus taught from Scripture. He was there when Jesus told stories to try and help his people understand what he was teaching. Thomas was chosen. So he knew Jesus. He physically met Jesus. And as I said, I think Thomas was probably quite excited that he was a Christian. He was excited that he was following Jesus. He was so excited that he devoted his entire life to following Jesus. We're going to read a verse from John chapter 11. And before we do, I just want to fill in a little bit of background to this verse. So Jesus is in front of the Jews and they're getting quite angry, quite annoyed with Jesus. And they're questioning Jesus and they're asking him, are you the Messiah? Are you the Son of God? We want you to prove to us that you are the Messiah. They got so angry to the point they were picking up stones and they were about to stone him. But the Bible tells us that Jesus managed to flee, managed to get away from them. And then the, the scriptures continue, and we see the story, and many of us will know this story, of the death of Lazarus. And Lazarus was sick, he died, um, and word got to Jesus before he died that he was sick. And they said, come and see him, um, he's not doing well. I think they were, they were, there was that hope there that um, Jesus would... Um, 
um, perform a miracle, he would be better before death. Um, but Jesus hung around for a little bit. Eventually, Lazarus died, and Jesus um, said that he was then going to go to see Lazarus. And his disciples were sat there, and they were like, well, don't go and see him, because look what's just happened with the Jews. If we leave where we are now, surely they will find you, they will stone you, um, and it's going to be game over. But Jesus knew that God needed to be glorified in, um, in Lazarus's now death. And there was a little bit of confusion from the disciples as to, um, as to what was happening. But basically, Jesus said, we've got to go and see um, Lazarus. So from verse 14. So then he told them plainly, that's the disciples, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us go that we may die with him. So with all this in in mind, the fact that the Jews were after Jesus, there was this risk that Jesus was going to be stoned to death, that he was going to be killed. But Jesus knew that his time wasn't then, and he knew that um, he had to go and see Lazarus. And he knew that God was going to be glorified in Lazarus' death. So his disciples um, were there. They were questioning. They were like, should we really do this? But Thomas, we see his excitement as a Christian. We see his excitement as a follower of Christ because he actually turns around to Jesus and he um, said that he was willing to face that danger. Thomas had made the decision that actually dying alongside Jesus was better than never standing with him. That dying alongside Jesus, right by his side, was better than never standing with him. See, Thomas knew who Jesus was. He had an understanding that he was the Son of God. And he was passionate about Jesus. He believed so much, he was willing to die for what he believed. The story continues. Jesus went to Lazarus. Um, Lazarus was dead. He commanded him back to life. An amazing miracle. An amazing miracle. And the disciples were there to see that. This summer, I was running a a mission project called NServe. And the charity I was working with, they hosted this equipping weekend for 13 to 18-year-olds. And we equipped them to go out into the community in North London to work alongside local churches in their community to bless their community. And um, Jenna Reek, who comes here, she was running team for us in Barnet. There she is with her Barnet team, some of the Barnet team. Um, And um, I went along one day to visit them. And when I was there, I met a local hero. I met a guy called Richard. Now, Richard was someone that AJ, that many of you know from um, this church, has worked with. Sorry, it's not a great picture. It's the best I could find. Here's the one in the background. Um, So uh, Richard, he's not from a Christian family, and he lives on an estate in Barnet where these guys were working. And the um, Barnet area, they have a mobile skate park that goes around um, in Barnet, and they were asked to take the skate park to New Wine. So off they went to New Wine, and Richard went along on team. And while he was there, he met with Jesus. While he was there, he became a Christian. And he was so excited about his newfound faith that he went um, back home to Barnet. He went onto his estate. He told all his friends about how exciting it was that he was now a follower of Jesus. And when Richard did that, his friends mocked him. They ridiculed him for what he believed. And I should imagine 
Richard would have been there and he would have been questioning, why did I do that? Is it worth it? I've just been rejected by these guys that I know. Is it worth following Jesus for this? So um, there's Richard feeling quite low and bumbling onto the estate comes Jenna with her team. And the guys there knew Richard and they were chatting to him. They saw that he was low and they said to him, Richard, do you want to come and join us on our mission? So Richard decided he was going to do that. So he moved into the church just down the road where they were staying. He ate with them. He worshipped with them. He studied the word with them. He was immersed in the presence of Jesus. And as he did that, the, the, the feeling of low, the questioning became insignificant because he actually was closer to Jesus through being part of that mission team. He then um, went back onto the estate with the team and he was serving the, the estate, the people that had actually ridiculed him for what he believes. But the power of Jesus was greater in him that he could do that once he'd experienced Jesus again, getting rid of those doubts and those things that were actually holding him back, the things that he was questioning. So Richard and Thomas, as a parallel there, they both have an enthusiasm about following Jesus. Even though Richard had this rejection, he did meet Jesus and he drew closer to him. And we're going to see the same thing with Thomas as he questioned, as he doubted, as he then experienced Jesus, he drew closer to him. Many of us will know so well that Jesus um, was killed by death on a cross and many of us know that that death was to take that punishment for our sin, for those things that we do wrong. And many of us will know that there was a great victory and that Jesus um, wasn't held by death, that three days after his death, he came back to life. Um, And we're going to read about one of the appearances after his death. And he did appear to many, many people after he came back to life. Um, And we're going to read one of those from John chapter 20. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to it. John chapter 20. We're going to start at verse 19. If not, it's on the screen. Okay. On the evening of the first day of the week, the disciples were together with the doors locked for fears of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone this, um, anyone's sin, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. So Thomas wasn't there when the disciples saw Jesus. And I should imagine he probably would have been quite gutted about that. Have you ever felt like that at times when you've heard something amazing has um, happened at church a Sunday before or the call to prayer meeting that we do um, Sunday evening, seven o'clock, we're starting again on the 16th of September. Have you ever heard this amazing thing happen at call to prayer or something else and, and you just happen to miss it? I know that I've been there. I've missed that time when Jesus impacted his people so greatly and I felt gutted, gutted to miss it. 
And I should imagine that's exactly how Thomas was feeling. Thomas was feeling gutted that he'd missed the visit of the risen Lord Jesus. Not just anyone, the risen Lord Jesus. And so common reaction, Thomas doubted um, that Jesus actually was alive. And he said, unless I see the nail marks, put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, which is quite gross, I will not believe. So Thomas wanted that proof. He doubted, and you kind of sit there and you think, how can Thomas doubt? How can he when he's seen Lazarus come back to life? He was there when Jesus called him out of the tomb. He was there when Jesus performed many, many miracles. He even performed miracles himself in the name of Jesus, yet he still doubted that Jesus was alive. Are we like that? Do we see the goodness of God? Do we see the great things that Jesus is doing and still doubt? I don't think there's anything wrong with that, as I said at the start, but we need to remind ourselves of those good things. Actually, in those times when we start to doubt, we need to focus on Jesus. We need to experience Jesus and draw close to him so that those doubts don't overshadow us. And that's a choice that we have. We choose to meet with Jesus. At the beginning of the summer, I was on a kids camp, um, took some of the guys from here. It was for 8 to 11s. It was called Activate. And we took a few, um, so we took a few children from here. And it was just an, an amazing week where we, um, we did lots of, we had lots of fun um, games that we played, lots of sports. Uh, there's an on-site swimming pool that we swam every day. But they learned tons about Jesus. There was loads of meetings and quiet times and all those kind of things that the kids did um, to experience Jesus. And one night I was there and um, I... Um, as I was about to go to bed and I thought, let's have a quick check of Facebook as you do before you go to bed um, and see what the real world is up to as I was cut off for an entire week from the real world. Um, and I saw on Facebook something which actually became quite a test of faith for me, um, something that was difficult. And as I tell this story, I want you to look for those times when, when I and when the people in the story experienced Jesus and how we drew closer to Jesus in it. See, my friend, um, I had a friend Dave, and he had died. And his wife, um, Nikki, had written something on Facebook, which actually I found um, quite amazing. It said, today I'm standing in faith that God has spoken life over David, Psalm 91. As husband and wife, we discussed the possibility of him dying because we needed, um, he needed a new body. Our faithful church and family are standing on the truth that God is truly able to raise David from the dead. We are willing to nail our colors to the mast as a church who believes in God's healing power. David always agreed that I could call him back. And I am believing, as, as are our four children, we have declared the truth. Our God is faithful. Those of you who dare to believe, join us wherever you are as we pray through the night until David is returned to us. Nikki then went on to say that there are those, obviously, people that she appreciates wouldn't necessarily agree with that, but that's what they wanted to do as a family. And so I started praying, got my Bible out, I was reading, um, I was reading about Lazarus and reading that story and reading that account and seeing what I could learn from that and how I could pray. And I was praying and I was praying and I was praying. I couldn't stay up all night um, because I was on camp and I'd be useless the next day. Some would say probably even more useless, but um, I, I knew that I needed to get some sleep. So I prayed, I went to bed. 
got up the next day and still nothing. And the thing is, I was wrestling with it because I was saying to myself, I was like, well, I know this is possible. I know that God can raise people from the dead. We read it in the Bible. It is so well documented in third world countries. Um, But why not here? Why not today? Why not in the UK? So still praying into that, saying, come on, we can do this. We can raise him from the dead. And with that in mind, I thought, actually, I'm, I'm, I am questioning. I am thinking, God, is this possible? Are you going to do this? And I thought it's probably best to chat it through with someone. And after the quiet times in the morning, um, I, saw, I saw Sam. Um, little Sammy, he's eight years old, and there's a picture just going to come up of him. And I thought, okay, let's ask Sammy what he thinks. So I sat down in the corridor with Sammy, um, and I said to him, I said, Sam, do you believe in Jesus? Do you love Jesus? And he said, yes, with that tone as to say, Kev, why are you being so stupid? Why are you asking me that question? That's just a given. Um, So I was like, okay, fine, move on. Um, And then I said to him, I said, Sam, um, do you think that when somebody has died, we can pray and they'll come back to life? So Sammy sat there and he thought about it, and he thought about it, and he was like, no, I don't think so. I was like, gutted. I was like, that's it, not gonna happen now. but still desperate to believe, desperate to believe that God can do it and God will do it. I said to Sam, I said, well, how about um, those, um, how about when we read in the Bible about when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? And again, in that tone, as to say, Kev, you're actually being quite thick right now. Sammy turned around to me within an instant and said, yeah, but he's Jesus. And for me, that was the point that the penny dropped. That was my experience with Jesus that actually took away the doubt, took away the questioning, and made that insignificant. The fact that I was trying before to pray in my strength that I could do this. But a simple conversation with an eight-year-old actually brought me closer to God, actually made me experience the risen Lord Jesus to the extent that my, my worldview on that had changed. And now I started praying in the power of Jesus, knowing that it was only Jesus that could do that. So in my questioning, in my doubt, I needed that experience of Jesus to actually draw closer to him, that that complete change in the way that I was thinking. That day we saw an amazing victory. No, Dave didn't come back from the dead. But the victory was in his people praying. The victory was that we stood there through the night, some more than others, and we prayed in in the hope, knowing that the Lord could do it. And it was really interesting because I was listening to a preach from Dave's wife Sunday after his death and she said that the purpose of all this was to glorify God. There's Dave and his family. Um, The purpose was to glorify God um, in his sickness and now in his death. And that's what they wanted. And in the service, they wanted people to experience Jesus. They wanted people to draw closer to him because loads of us were sat there saying, why? Why God? Why, Why didn't you do this? Why? And asking all those questions. But they wanted God to be glorified. Nikki spoke about how um, the faith of the wider church, and she said how there was a lady that she didn't even know her name who stood by um, David's dead body for 12 hours praying straight, and she didn't even know her name. But it was somebody from a local church, somebody who um, was committed to seeing God's um, kingdom come. So I then went on to Dave's celebration service, and 
his eldest son, Aaron, was there. This family are, are true heroes. And I, as even thinking about them now, I just think, what an amazing family. And the, all the kids stood up and they talked about the memory of their father. And they spoke about um, the thing that characterized um, David the most from what the kids were saying was his love, his love for people, his love for God. And even in those times when he messed up, when he questioned, actually the love of God overshadowed everything. So Aaron stood there at his, um, his celebration service and he said, he said this. He said, yes, we prayed and my dad didn't come back to life. He said, but don't lose hope. He said, God still saves. God still does miracles. And I sat there and I thought, oh, what an amazing guy. What a hero that he's standing there, his dad dying just a few days previously, and he could stand there and say, my Lord, my God is amazing. And even though we're going through this hard time, even though they questioned at times what God was doing, they've been experienced Jesus, they've been experiencing Jesus to the point that they could stand there and say that. Their faith was stronger because of their experience. So even though God didn't answer our prayers in the way that we wanted, we still had faith. His son still demonstrated faith. And it's really interesting, even at the Thanksgiving service, the celebration service, his son Aaron turned around and said to people, hey guys, if you don't know that risen Lord Jesus that my dad and we know, why don't you come forward and we'll pray with you? I was like, again, what an amazing hero. So Dave, Nikki, Aaron, uh, Rhiannon, Lana, TJ, true local heroes. And if it wasn't for my conversation with Sammy, I wouldn't have drawn closer to Jesus. So Sammy, a true local hero. So we have doubts. It's inevitable. Um, Thomas did. But we need to look to Jesus. We need to experience him. And we need to draw closer to him. And as Chris has already mentioned, we are running the Alpha course. If anybody doesn't know Jesus or they want, they've got lots of questions that they want answering, can I recommend the Alpha course? It's a great place to have those questions answered. People won't look down on you for asking questions. And in fact, we've probably all been there asking those same questions. And the team are amazing and they will, they will answer those questions. They will show us the truth of the Bible, but they'll also gently facilitate an encounter with God for ourselves. So Thomas, our story Continues. We're going to continue reading from John chapter 20, and we're going to pick up in verse 26. So a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. So Thomas doubted, and then we see in that passage that he repented. He said sorry for, for doubting, for questioning that Jesus was alive. And for Thomas, he encountered Jesus. He physically put his hand where the nail marks were. He physically put his hand into the side of Jesus and his doubts became insignificant. Because he experienced Jesus in a tangible way, his doubts became insignificant. They became meaningless. And actually, he drew closer to Jesus. We see that in his response. My Lord and my God. That was his response to Jesus. There was no shadow of a doubt that Jesus was alive. 
But for Thomas, he needed to see Jesus for himself. For Thomas, he needed to encounter Jesus. And I sit there and I think, well, once Jesus had died, why didn't Thomas go back and do something different? Why didn't he run away and hide? Or, or why did he want to pursue Jesus? And I think ultimately, something deep inside of Thomas knew. Something deep inside him knew that Jesus was alive. Something deep inside knew that he had to see Jesus, that he had to experience him again. And that's why I think Thomas stuck with it. That's why I think Thomas um, was there when Jesus appeared again. History tells us that Thomas then went on to, um, he went a completely different direction from um, the other disciples and he went east and is said to have founded the church in India and apparently was martyred for his faith. There's a little bit of history there for you as well. So in all of this that we've been seeing today, how do we encounter God? How do we draw closer to God? Well, quite simply, an encounter with God is God communicating with us, his people, And we may be praying, we may be reading our Bible, we may be driving along a road, um, walking somewhere, and maybe we have a conversation with God, and then we start to encounter, um, we start to encounter God. We might be reminded of something. We may um, have this, this deep sense of an emotion or a deep conviction about something that could be God speaking to us. Sometimes some people um, physically hear the voice of God as well. But these are encounters with God that is God communicating with us, his people. And that's how we can experience God. That's how we can draw closer to him. And that's how we can know Jesus to the point that it overshadows those doubts. And yes, we need to take those, we need to take those, those experiences and we need to check them with the Bible. We need to say, God, is this you? Or is this just me feeling that way? But that's something that we need to do. We need to talk to people about those things that, that we think as well and um, use people as a reference. So the Christian life will always have its ups and downs. It's inevitable. And there will be times when we doubt, when we question what we believe. But it's at that point that we have a choice. We choose faith. We choose to seek Jesus. We choose to go for that encounter of Jesus so that we may draw closer to him. Or... We choose, actually, I'm going to walk away from this. I'm going to forget about Jesus and walk away. Over the Olympics, I was watching an interview um, that Gary Lineker was conducting, and it was with Chris Hoy. Chris Hoy is said to be one of the greatest British Olympians. Um, He's won numerous gold medals. This interview was after the Kieran final. And so inspired by what he said, I went on to BBC iPlayer and um, wrote down word for word the interview. So Chris started off by saying, he said, I was in a bit of a state, to be honest. I hadn't even got on the podium and I was crying. Gary said, but what was going through your mind, Chris? And Chris said these words. He said, it was just this realisation it worked out. There were so many moments in the four years between Olympic Games when you have lows, you have injuries, you have doubts, you have loss of form, you have defeats. And in these moments, you question if you're going to make it. And when you finally get here and you experience the crowd, the atmosphere is the most amazing feeling. So Chris, after that race, took home gold medal. But Chris had doubts. He questioned whether he could actually do it, whether he could win. But he said that when he got there, when he experienced the crowd, he saw the crowd rooting for him. He knew that he could do it. It was a complete game changer for him. 
And for us, it's similar. We will have those doubts. We will have those questions. But it's at those times that we need to seek Jesus. We need to go after that experience of Jesus so that we can draw closer to him. That life-changing experience, meeting something bigger than ourselves, meeting something more powerful than ourselves, and actually saying, yes, without a shadow of a doubt, I can stand there and say, my Lord, my God, because my, my doubts, my questions are insignificant compared to what Jesus is doing in my life. I'm going to ask the band to come back up and if you guys could um, stand just as we sum up. If I could just invite you just to close your eyes just while, um, just while I just put some thoughts out there. I want you to think about the goodness that you've seen in your life because of what Jesus is doing. I want you to think about those times when um, potentially you've been questioning. Maybe you're going through something at the moment that is making you stop and think, is God real? Does God love me? And I want you just to keep that in mind as we pray. Okay, let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for the victory that he achieved on the cross for each and every one of us. And we recognize there will be those times when we go through hardships, when we doubt, when we question your goodness, and we question you. And I pray in those times that we would make that choice to seek you, that you would draw closer to us, that you would give us an experience of you that is so powerful, that is so great, that we would stand there and we would say, my Lord, my God, And without a shadow of a doubt, we would know your presence. And I pray that we would just then continue to look to you, continue to draw close to you. And Lord, I pray that as we we continue in worship now, that those of us that are feeling distance from you, those that are questioning, I pray that we would know your presence. We would know your presence so tangibly right now, that you would meet us, your people, in this place. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.